This is Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for checking out my sermon podcast from the New Hope Walpolopin Faith, Stairwell, and Slocum United Methodist Churches. We'd love to have you join us some Sunday for worship. To find out more about our locations and worship times, find us on Facebook at New Hope Walpolopin. We hope to see you soon. Well, today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, it's the, the birthday of the church. I, I didn't bring cake. I'm sorry. I forgot. Uh, plus, I don't need any because, you know, and I have cupcakes at home, too, from Chrissy. So, uh, But today's Pentecost Sunday. Uh, it's the birthday of the church. And uh, if those of you that know, I mean, we're, we knew that it was Pentecost, might be a little surprised that, that our scripture today isn't the, this one. Uh, it's not Acts 2, which goes like this. It's the common one we read on Pentecost. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like blowing a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. I mean, I can't, can you imagine what this was like? I mean, this had to have been quite the scene, the, the blowing wind. I could have I could have Bill turn up the fans, but the blowing wind, um, the tongues of fire settling on their heads, the people from all over hearing God's word in their own language and Peter preaching and, and thousands coming to believe. How many of us have ex- really experienced something like this? I, most of us could probably be like, no, not really experienced anything like that. Um, maybe we've been to a revival or charismatic services. Um, maybe we've been to a service where, you know, we were praising worship. And so maybe we were, we were getting a little excited and we raised our hands. Um, I know Teresa with certain songs likes them. For me, I'm, I grew up Baptist. So if my hands are here, I'm, the Holy Spirit is moving. Um, cause I just, I, my arms won't go any higher during worship, but <laughs> just kidding. Um, but we haven't really experienced this. Uh, we've heard stories, we've read books, seen movies, things like that. And maybe we're a little jealous. We're like, why, why can't I experience that? Why can't I have that sort of feeling? I want to see that. Why can't I have this experience? But see, the thing is, there are things that we have experienced. We've experienced the day-to-day, often boring struggles of living in this sinful and dying world. It's something that we can all identify with. We've experienced... Doubts and questions, fear, uncertainty, grief. We've experienced all of these things, things that come through faith. And see, what we have to remember is that Jesus' disciples had to deal with these same struggles too. Jesus' disciples had the same day-to-day, boring, ordinary stuff that they had to deal with too. Think about everything that happened to the disciples prior to what our what we commonly celebrate at Pentecost, what they went through before this took place, the doubts, the questions, the fears, the uncertainties they had to deal with. Trying to live their faith in the same sinful and dying world in which we find ourselves living in, 
Because truth be told, the world really hasn't changed much. We just have better technology with which to hurt other people with. But the world hasn't changed that much. And we could, we could stand here and argue, well, you know what? The disciples had Jesus. Like they could, they could reach out and touch him, and we don't have that. And this might be true, but you have to also remember that Jesus, there were thousands of people in that area that experienced the same things the disciples experienced, saw the same miracles, witnessed the same resurrection. And at the end, on Pentecost Sunday, all of those that still believed fit in the upper room. So imagine that. Of all those people that experienced, there were still only a few handfuls left. In John 6, we, we read that the story begins with the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Um, and he later goes on to say he is the bread of life. And he's talking to, to others who, there's actually a lot that happens in John chapter 6. And one of the things we actually read at the end is that many of the disciples, um, besides the 12, that had been following because of some of the stuff he started saying in that chapter, it actually says at the end that many of them left. Many of them stopped following him because of the controversial things that he said. And it all happened because the people continued asking him for signs. They, they kept saying there's actually an interaction where he's like, I am the bread of life. And they're like, give us this bread of life. You know, basically they wanted manna from heaven. They wanted free food. And Jesus sort of calls them to the fact that, well, you just want me. You only believe because you keep wanting stuff from me. That's basically what Jesus says to him. And he says to them, but as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. What we have to remember is that we are promised today the same help that the disciples were promised back then. Many here continue to believe without having seen. We've had our experiences. We've had little moments where we felt God moving and the Holy Spirit working. But in our passage today, we actually find ourselves back in the upper room. We find it prior to Jesus' arrest, and he's continuing to talk to the disciples. And we see Philip say, just, just let us see the Father. Again, proof. Let us see the Father. Come on, just let us see the Father. And Jesus says, what are you talking about? Don't you get it? You've, you've seen the Father. You've seen me. Jesus also tells Philip that everything he's been able to do because was because of God working through him. And then he goes on into verse 12 to say this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Jesus did some pretty cool things, don't you think? So can you imagine that we have this promise that we can do even greater things on this earth? Jesus goes on to say, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, we often take this out of context, uh, and we use it in two different ways. One, we'll use it out of context thinking that, that God will do whatever I ask, but we also use that to be like, well, if God's going to do everything I ask, why didn't God answer this prayer request? But that's not how it works. There are many of us sitting here that have had some prayers unanswered over the past couple of years. See, what we have to understand is, is this isn't a magic spell to get whatever we want in this world. My wife and I actually just had this discussion this past week. I was going to Target to pick up a prescription, and I got the close parking spot. 
And uh, I jokingly said, oh, Jesus must have answered my prayer. I was being a smart aleck. But, I, but we, we laughed about it. I hate to break it to you, but sometimes you get the close sparking spot and sometimes you don't. And it's not necessarily because Jesus answered your prayer. It's just because you got lucky. That's kind of how that works. <laughs> Although I do get the close spot a lot, but then I also go to Target a lot. So maybe I just have a reserve space. I don't know. But, but the thing is, it all has to reverse us back to verse 13, which says, it, it tells us that it's whatever we ask in his name. So if, if we want our request answered, for, for Jesus to answer a request, it has to be something that we ask in his name. It has to be his will for us. And it has to be something that's going to glorify God. Now, personally, I think his will is for me to have that Mustang we were talking about last night, Grant, and I think I would glorify God through it. Um, I still don't have it. And you won't have it. And I won't have it. No, unless, unless I have a gener- generous benefactor. No. Uh, but that's not how it works. It's not that you know Jesus isn't this genie that's going to give us whatever we want. It would be nice if it worked that way, but he's not Santa Claus. But the idea of this is all continued in verse 15. When he says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. I think Claudia's version actually said doesn't doesn't believe in him or doesn't accept. It was a little bit different. I like that version you read. But the idea is the the world's not going to see the spirit because they don't understand the work that he does. But what we are promised is we are promised the help of the Holy Spirit if we keep God's commands. And his biggest commandment is just to love. It's to it's to love him with everything we are, with our heart, soul, mind and strength and everything we do to put God first and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And this help may not be manifested in this rush of wind or, or tongues of fire. It might even happen right smack dab in the middle of your boring, everyday stuff. But we still have this help. And this help could come in the form of a boldness that's willing to speak up when nobody else is willing to speak up. It could be being, being willing to speak up or speak truth to somebody's life that needs to hear, you know, hey, we need to talk. And you have that sort of emboldened. I've had moments like that where I've I've spoken up in times, and I'm I'm you know I talk a lot, but I'm not a controvert. I mean I'm not I don't like conflict. Um, and I've had those moments where I've spoken up, and I'm like I don't know where that came from, but it's there. It could even be that inner voice that's guiding you as you make a difficult decision. It's guiding you. Maybe it's that just that inside voice or that feeling you have that's like you need to step out into faith or that there's this ministry or there's something that you need to be doing, sending a card, making a phone call. You know, I haven't checked on so-and-so. I really need to do that. That could very well just be the Holy Spirit and saying, hey, they need some help and I'm going to use you to reach out to them. It could even be a passage of scripture, sort of like the light bulb turns on where you're reading a passage like, oh, I get that now. It could be any number of things that simply happened without wind, without fire, and without fanfare. Because just because the Holy Spirit doesn't always appear with such flair doesn't mean the Holy Spirit isn't still at work in our lives. And I think the Holy Spirit is at work in our church. I think we see hearts changed. I think think we see 
people being reached by by some of the things that we're able to do and the outreach we're able to do and just talking to people in the conversations, the doors that, that God has opened for us. We've we've seen them through a couple of the services we've had. We've seen them through the flea market. We've we've seen it through some of the things that we're doing, even the hoagie sale over at Slocum or um, the other things that we do. You know, the uh, Faith Church just did their, their uh, thing over at the rest area and the conversations they had with people there. The Holy Spirit is at work and using us in good ways and in great ways. And we may never ever see the fruits of some of those labors, but we're planting seeds and that's a start. But we have to continue to obey Jesus' commands and continue to do our best to love God with everything we are and to love our neighbors as ourselves. I had a conversation last night with Chrissy at the, uh, in the kitchen during the movie night. And our, our numbers were way down, but we had a good time anyway. And we were talking, and one of the questions she asked me is, you know, I think we have a really great group of people here. Why, why aren't people with us? I think it's because God's not a priority for them. Because we make excuses, well, they couldn't come because of this, they couldn't come because of that. We go where we want to go. We do what we want to do. Our priorities are what we make them. Nobody forces us to go to the soccer field. Nobody forces us to go do this or go do that. We make our choices and what we choose to do shows the priorities in our life. And if our priorities are God, it's going to show in the way we live our lives. Because the world is always going to pull at us. The world is always going to say, no, this is more important or this is more important. It's up to us to determine what is the most important. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit does to us. If we recognize the Holy Spirit, I think the Holy Spirit's going to say to us, no, you need to be here today. Because the other side of that then is for us as the church is if we're loving God, then we do need to love our neighbors. And I think we're doing a good job of trying to do that. You can't force people to believe. You can't force people to come to church. All you can do is just provide and just reach out. But the thing that we can know is that no matter what, as long as we are doing these two things and we're loving God and loving our neighbors, we have this assurance that we are not alone and that we have help. And we can find peace in knowing that God is in control. That assurance that through the Holy Spirit that God is working through us and we are doing what God is, would have us to do. Because one of the things we have to remember, is it's easy to look at the world and think, oh my goodness, this world is falling apart. We've, we've had shootings and, and the economy. I spent way too much. I put gas in my car last night and it actually was more than my age. And that's the first time that's happened in a while. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. And so it feels like this world is spiraling out of control sometimes. But you have to remember there were moments when the disciples felt the same way. Not when they were putting gas in their donkey. But there had to have been moments when the disciples too were feeling like this world is out of control. And that's why Jesus tells them in verse 27 these words. And these words are still true for us today. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. 
I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let us pray. To God, we thank you for the help you give us through the work of the Holy Spirit. We ask now that you would help us to continue to seek you, to obey your commands, to love God with everything we are and to love our neighbor. We ask that you would send your spirit to us, that your spirit would show us what your will for us is, and that you would prepare the way for us and provide whatever it is we need to glorify you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.